0: We'd visit- we'd visited the embassy because we had to have our- On the morning we were supposed to be flying out, we were called to the embassy, where we were- Well, I wouldn't exactly say interrogated, but we were questioned. We were asked, had we kidnapped any American children? Oh yeah, that was
1: the one question. What were the other questions? This is- this is question- Do you know Eddie from Ireland? Do I know Eddie? Do you know
2: Eddie from Ireland? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to You Are The Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill
1: Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 83 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guests today join us from London, Alex and Lyndon, welcome to You Are the Guest. Hello. Good evening. Here, anyway. And Alex and Lyndon, would you introduce yourselves to our audience?
0: Uh, My name's Alex Grayson. I am a Londoner. I am a musician. Uh, I am also a registered nurse. I will also build you a classic car from the British motor industry um, circa 1965, if, if you would like me to. That's really all you need to know about me.
2: I'm Lyndon Connor. I was born in Liverpool. I live in London. And I'm in the same band that Alex is in, called Three Blind
1: Mice. And you've done some podcasts in the past.
2: Yes, yes, we've had uh, Ask Lyndon, which uh, is still ongoing, but is temporarily stopped.
1: A little <laughs> bit of a hiatus, in other words. Yeah, it's, yeah, we're it's, re,
2: we're regrouping. It's resting. We're regrouping.
1: Have you heard any of the past episodes of you or the guest? Yes,
0: uh, we we heard the uh, the what was the name of the 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 political organization you. ACLU. We heard the one where the uh, ACLU uh, lawyer was being interviewed, and we, and we heard the one about the, the young lad from Dublin who saw creepy crawlies coming out of the walls um, and thought everything was a great conspiracy.
1: And what, it, what was your overall thought after listening to the 9-11 conspiracy theory?
0: Uh, I, I actually felt that the, the lad was, you know, uh, very paranoid and somewhat to be pitied rather than pilloried. I I understand that he received quite a lot of uh, quite aggressive <clears throat> emails following his interview, but I, I don't think, I just think he hadn't really thought his arguments through at all.
2: Well, I have spoken to several people who believe very fervently in conspiracy theories, particularly now regarding 9-11, and they're always very, very excited, over-excited, yeah. But they then it all falls revenue.
1: apart once once you start digging into it, correct?
2: As soon as you begin to discuss the logistics
0: of any of these theories, have you ever tried to have a conversation in a room with four people and try to get four people for five minutes to sing from the same song sheet? It never happens. There's always four very separate and distinct opinions. The, to organize something like 9-11 in the way that the lads from Dublin was suggesting, it's not possible.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a good movie plot, but
0: yeah. you, you can't do it yeah. in real life. And you can't do it. And well, I noticed he he was quoting a lot, and he was saying, he was saying, you know, and they can do this like you've seen in the movies. And I have a feeling he was having a great deal of trouble separating what what he was
2: watching in films from mm. what's actually happening in reality. A lot of people do. You were trying to get him to admit. I rem- I remember I heard this months ago, but you were trying to get him to explain who was involved, and every time carry continued with the argument. It appeared that more and more people were involved <clears throat> from the government and the CIA. And, uh, and fi- finally, everybody seemed to be involved. In fact, we did it. We, we, we were involved as well. Everybody yeah. everybody.
1: yeah, I think he made mention of you guys out there in London. And, but mm-hmm. we had to cut that out of the show just due to the fact that we didn't have any concrete evidence. But now we do. No, I know. I'm I'm sorry. Well, I shouldn't have done it. I mean, it
0: is, it's just... It was very, very sad. You bored. I think, you know, he was so shocked by what he saw. He said he was standing in an art gallery and became immediately very excited when he received the phone call about the plane. I think he saw the second plane crashing. And he said, I, I, I immediately knew something was very wrong. And you picked him up on that and said, yes, we all saw that. And I think he was very confused from that point on and unable perhaps to accept that this kind of behavior, uh, that the human beings can do this kind of thing to each other. And so he has to invent some incredibly far-fetched story to
2: explain it, just so that he can understand what is going on. Well, why would it make him feel better? Why would a conspiracy theory make him feel better than whatever may be the truth? Because he,
1: Cause he sounded vindicated by the actual event.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's exciting as well. It it it's reassuring and exciting at the same time Mm, well much more much more reassuring and exciting than just basic good old sordid evil you know which is what i mean i'm not saying that evil exists in one place but it was a pretty evil thing to do you guys sound like you're pretty normal thank you i have taken my prozac sandwich tonight and i'm feeling quite balanced
1: sure am (laughs) <laughs> sure am normal yeah, put down those guns <laughs> come on where's my gun so what uh, tell me what is the view of American politics by the average British citizen
2: we find it uh,
1: well <laughs> particularly with George
2: Bush we find it very show busy on mm-hmm. the one hand the vernacular is it, it's like it's like watching watching George Bush, is like watching the Ed Sullivan show or something. It's really bizarre compared to the way we we do things over
1: here. Why do you think that Bush and Blair got along so well? Because... Well, it started with Winston Churchill, didn't it? Winston <clears throat> Churchill's mum
0: was American, and that was when the special relationship began. And I think, to a greater or a lesser extent, that special relationship has has carried on ever since, fought for better or worse. Yeah, because Reagan and
1: Thatcher had a good relationship.
0: Oh, they fancied each other.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, George Bush and Blair, I don't know. It's probably more complicated than we could possibly imagine. If, But we do, I mean, Tony Blair seems to be um, committed to remaining friends with America, whatever the cost he seems to feel that that's the most important thing. Yes, I mean maybe it is, but he's certainly paid a
1: price. How does the average British citizen feel about that view? I mean, are are they pro-America or anti-America? Uh, uh, or I think and, and, please, and please share you know your honest feelings. There, there's there's well, no way to offend here. It's oh, I,
2: it's very difficult to 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 speak for the population at large. I, the, only, the, the, the feeling I get is that it's split whereas in France it's very anti-American Yeah, I?
0: I think I agree with that think, here it's more split I think you'll find people uh, with very polarised views very anti-America and some very pro and some very neutral so, so I, feel, I feel there's a fair mix mm.
2: I think Where, most, most people would say that they were, are against the invasion of Iraq most people now would say that, wouldn't they? I think
0: so. I think many people in the UK are highly concerned about um, what they perceive to be human <clears throat> rights violations in terms of places like, is it Guantanamo Bay? I think a lot of people are very concerned that that kind of behaviour is being done in their name, by, by affiliation, because we are affiliated to to George Bush mm. and his policy <clears throat> through Tony Blair. I think a lot of I'm I'm saying this, I don't know, but my my feeling from just talking around is that a lot of people are saying not in my name over here.
1: Are there any other countries that British citizens also are saying, eh, we're kind of split on or we absolutely do not like that country?
0: There is a very strong, am I right in saying this? I I think there's quite a strong anti-Israel feeling in this country, very pro-Palestinian.
1: And why is that?
0: Um, it's popular
1: to it's, be that it's way. Popular. It's popular.
0: Yeah, it's popular. But
1: is it correct?
2: I, I don't think it's necessarily correct, no. no. But it, the, the, there may be a bias. I mean, there may even be a, a news bias.
0: I think the BBC reports it very much as poor little Palestine, you know, throwing its little fireworks into... Israel, Israel and Israel chucking back its nuclear bombs. I mean, I know they're not they're not doing anything <coughs> nuclear, but that's kind of the bias. And of course, that is not the case.
2: You know, people are dying on both sides. Yeah, and it does seem like yes, it does seem like as we were saying before that Palestine's constantly kicking them, kicking them, kicking them until Israel reacts. eventually reacts <laughs> with a with a much larger boot because they've got a lot more money.
1: And that's the way it seems to me here too. Is that. If they would just quit sending the bombs, then the bombs wouldn't come back over the other way.
0: Yeah. As I'm aware, there is nothing in the Jewish writing, as I'm aware, I don't know much about it, but as I'm aware, there's nothing in the Jewish writing that says they wish to destroy Palestine. Correct. That's but true. there is something in the Muslim writings yes. that says they want to destroy every Jew, every Jew, every Jew and the, Judaism on, on the, the planet. planet.
2: So there's, I, a, there's a difference in philosophy there.
0: I think that that little fact is very much glossed over by our media.
1: And why does yeah. the BBC take that pro-Palestinian viewpoint?
2: Because they're all namby-pamby uh, left-wing liberals. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's as strong as pro-Palestinian. No, I just it's. Well, it sounds I, like I, it. It does sound like it. It's. It's.
1: It, it would it, be hard to defend that.
2: Yeah, I. I I don't really know, to be honest. It's
0: difficult to answer. We have some contacts in the BBC. Maybe we should ask them.
1: (laughs) Yes. And and what do you think they would tell you? Not that you could read minds, but what do you think (sighs) they would tell you?
0: Wow. I think what they're saying, what generally the feeling is, that Israel's reactions are so... uh, Israel has all the power and all the money and sort of infrastructure and all that. And it should, I think the idea is that Israel should just take this little irritating dog, (laughs) and I'm not saying that the Palestinians are dogs, but they should just treat it like an annoying little dog yapping in the back garden. It shouldn't be worthy of, you know, a big violent response. Um, Also, so in other words,
1: you're thinking that the media has this, we're rooting for the underdog mentality.
0: I think there is an element of that.
1: And how does I, I, that connect with the United States? Well, Isn't a lot it a of, lot of well, anti-American in that same vein as well? It, they're not anti-American, but it's very—I
0: think it's quite made quite clear that the, a lot of American support. There's, there's a lot of American support for Israel. Y- yeah. Financial support that, that thats what I mean when I say support.
1: Yes. How do you think the leadership changes in Britain, France, and the U.S. over the next few years will affect world politics? Because you've got Gordon Brown coming up, right? Yeah. Yes. And we've got a change in in France. There will be an upcoming change in the United States. How will the leadership changes in those three countries change world politics?
2: Well, do you think, Alex, do you think that that Europe is becoming more right-wing, generally.
0: I'm going to be shouted down here, but I think England is becoming more right-wing. Um, I know that in mainland Europe, France, um, and perhaps some of the Balkan countries, I know that there there is an upswelling of good old-fashioned right-wing Nazism, that kind of thing. But I don't know whether it's any worse or any better mm-hmm. than any other time. I couldn't, I
2: couldn't honestly say. And there's of course a Russian democratic backlash or backlash against democracy because they see more problems than there were before just different
1: problems Mm. do you think there's a rubber stamp movement by the european union that is basically selling out british interests
0: Mm. it's very interesting you should say that um Some very curious things are happening. For example, I can't buy paint for my classic cars that I rebuild. I cannot buy paint.
1: And why can't you? Because Europe, Brussels,
0: has decided that the paint that I use is destroying the planet.
1: And so as a country, you have to abide by something that another country says? That's, that's kind of what's happening. We, we're, we're losing the ability or we're agreeing
0: more with some of the edicts that are coming from mainland Europe. The,
2: the, the perception is that we're no longer being run from this country by the elected officials of this country. Uh, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure, because we are represented in Brussels.
1: That would be like having the UN give opinions on what you can and can't do. It
0: would be um, yes. similar, but does the UN not give opinions of what you can't, can and can't do? I mean, I think the UN says it's probably not okay to invade Kuwait, uh, yeah. but it is okay to invade Iraq.
1: Yes. And what was um, the difference?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. There were ma- weapons of mass destruction. I think was the the clincher, wasn't it? That's why. That's why the, you know, that's yes. why the, the the Iraq War started.
2: I found them. You found them. Yes. In my back garden.
0: Ah, that's where they are. That that's why the UN's not been able to find them since.
1: So, how do you think that Saddam Hussein was able to hoodwink the British intelligence service, the CIA, uh, the UN, and everybody else? Amazing.
2: Well, I I don't think that he did it deliberately, did he? No, it was an accident. (laughs) I I think that uh... I think it was our incompetence more than anything, wasn't it?
0: There were there was a, a there were a number of people over here who were uh, sort of lone voices saying there are no weapons of mass destruction. <coughs> this um, forty-five minutes business, you know, that they could launch a massive attack in forty-five minutes, was actually taken <coughs> from somebody's thesis uh, for their doctorate, their their university philosophical doctorate. It wasn't actually an official document. It was just something somebody wrote somewhere to get their degree, and it was. Mm. Taken as truth and used as justification for uh, going to war, and there were uh, there was a, a one particular chap who actually ended up killing himself. What was his name? What was that? I don't remember. Yeah, there was one guy that was saying uh, this is all a load of smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, no, I can't remember. But do, do you remember the chap who killed himself?
2: yes yeah yes I do yeah yes he was that was a big
0: that was big news big news at the time there was there were yeah there was one lone voice saying this all of all of this all of the things that you're using all of the things you're saying to justify this invasion are not real and he mysteriously turned up in a field dead
2: yes did they decide it was suicide of course they decided it was suicide
0: now I'm sounding like the guy from Dublin that's
2: right and
0: who <laughs> and was all
1: a in- transistor radio that did it and who was involved with that Everybody, you! You did it! <laughs> no, it all, I tore <laughs> you down the pub, you did it! That's right, it all points down to you guys. I didn't do it. You didn't do it? No, it was my mum.
0: Uh, I don't know what happened. I mean, the likelihood is, he was a very meek uh, intellectual chap, and I think there is a strong possibility that he just couldn't handle the fact that he had been so publicly humiliated mm. and used... Uh, he was kind of scapegoated by the museum, But he was
2: very high up in that particular department. Oh, yes. The department of finding weapons
1: department of department of starting wars (laughs) so how do you feel about Iran
2: and North Korea oh dear I was gonna say well I was gonna go on holiday there nobody likes North Korea I mean the way when we got somebody (laughs) does anybody like Iran no nobody likes the government of Iran that I know even Iranians that I know hate the government of Iran Americans don't like Iran Iran, do they
1: uh no since the
2: American
0: Embassy thing. I was
1: 84, 84, was that? No, that was or 78, because I was still in high school at that time. Right, yeah,
0: I mean, I was, I was still in school, actually,
2: yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> no, you were on the I'm dole. I'm too old. You were on the dole at the time. Winston Churchill was still prime minister when I was born.
0: So you've I mean, got a Iran and... Moment, a random... moment's
2: silence for that, please. Yeah. Um, a moment's silence. Yeah, no, North Korea, yes, they, there was a documentary, do you remember? A film crew managed to sneak into North Korea... And try and talk to people and they're all and everybody, without exception the public, the general public, without exception, were the ones who agreed to talk to camera mm-hmm. who just said, No, everything's great. <laughs> we love it. It's great. It's all great. Yeah, please don't shoot me. Yeah, it was it was really scary because it was unanimous. Everything's wonderful. We love the Could you not who is who is loved Ying Chong Il or whatever his name is?
1: It kind of sounds like being at a Michael Jackson rally yeah <laughs> no matter what yeah Michael's great I hope we get invited to never never land
0: well what do you feel about Michael Jackson I mean over here he appears a, a tragic he's a tragic figure over here yes I can't believe that somebody that he seems so sort of psychologically damaged by everything that he's been through it doesn't he, he looks like a, a child
2: and he speaks like a child. It's He doesn't seem to have any sexuality. He's like a child on amphetamines. Yes. Because he seems to take amphetamines all the time. That's what it appears over here. Um,
1: and that's the way it appears over here, too. The The other equation you have is you also have a child with fame and money. Yeah. And yes. that's a really dangerous combination. Somebody that has very little common sense, not a lot of experience at solving their own problems. Mm. Yeah. Throw fame and money in there, and you've got disaster.
0: Also, uh, what appears to me to be a very arrested development, it was, I, I'm sure he did have young children in his room, or perhaps even in his bed, but i it's not that I'm naive about these things. I know that this, these terrible abuses do occur, and I know that they occur throughout all strata of society.
1: Yeah, but, the, but those parents my, were letting that happen, though. That's the that's the weird part. As yeah, the, well, maybe they, the, they could
0: see the they could see
1: the legal case
0: in the distance.
1: Yeah, he was calling. The, you know, can uh, Johnny come over and stay with me? And they go, Oh, it's Michael Jackson. Let him go. I mean, yeah, what, what kind of parents divide- are they?
0: I I don't know.
1: But do you believe that there was any pedophilia? There's a lot of smoke on that fire. So it, there is. if if you look back to the first case maybe you give him the benefit of the doubt but it would be hard to do that the second time it's pretty tough if nothing else he doesn't really have a career anymore
2: no it just seemed there was a there was a, a para, the paradox of the, the first time was came about because people generally didn't believe that he was a pedophile in the first
1: Mm.
2: instance but they also didn't understand why he paid them why he paid the the family
1: right and that could have been well just you know i don't want the bad publicity and yeah i could see that but then but that's that's even what what he did created even worse publicity yeah my
0: my feeling is that uh, I, as I was saying I'm not naive about uh, child abuse and I know that it goes on and it's very widespread and, and I know that it's throughout all areas of society but my feeling is that he has uh, his sexuality is somehow truncated I don't I'm not really basing this on any, you know, psychotherapeutic knowledge, but my instinct is that he is not a paedophile and that he did sleep with children, but it was much more in the nature of a kind of a pyjama party, a kind of perpe- perpetual pyjama party. Mm. Yeah. He, he is he is what he says, just <clears throat> arrested. His development is arrested. He's stuck around age 11.
2: It is an instinct, but I kind of share that feeling generally. Yeah. That he's just uh, a child.
1: Uh, I... I will agree with you on a certain point but then i also say that as he's older that he also has those urges and who wants to risk that
0: no listen don't get me wrong 11 year olds touch each other and kiss each other and do all sorts of things to each other of i course. can remember of course some very intimate moments as a very small child the problem is that one of the children actually has a i don't know how old michael jackson is but he has a 40 year
1: old body that's the problem.
0: Right. How do you legislate for that?
1: Right, and he also yeah. has uh, lots of money to pay people to cover it up for him.
0: Yeah. Well, if he is instigating the payments, uh, then he has a sense of guilt and he knows what he's doing is wrong. That means he is guilty of something.
1: It sounds like he's instigating the actions. So. Well, all I'm saying
0: is that if he's being advised by the people around him, look, just pay them the money so that it goes away. It may. Not, I don't know whether it's actually his decision. I. I don't know how much in that situation you are the master of your own destiny. Look at Elvis. You know, he. He was surrounded by sycophants by the end and couldn't. He didn't know whether he was coming or going.
1: Yeah, but I think they all have the final say.
0: Yeah, everybody is responsible. I can hear a, a friend of mine saying, "Responsibility, responsibility." A friend of mine, Jill, who uh, <laughs> is very hot on responsibility. Everybody is responsible ultimately for their own <clears throat> actions.
1: What are some topics that you'd like to talk about? I mean, outside of the Ask Bill three questions. What what things do you have as far as topics that maybe you'd like an American opinion on? I don't
2: know what what would you like to talk about. I mean, we were talking what? about religion yesterday. What <laughs> were you going to ask about Homeland Security? Did you have oh to yes about that?
0: Yes, if you want to, that's fine. Lyndon Lyndon was thinking about asking uh, about Homeland Security. Okay, well that's sure. right. We'll
1: go ahead and yes. ask that question, and then we'll get into the Ask Bill three. Perhaps explain the backdrop okay. of so that the that's... back,
2: the background to Homeland Security. Um, we knew nothing about Homeland Security until 2005, <laughs> when we we put in an application for a working visa for the band to visit Alaska to play some concerts there. And so we we put in a uh, an application six months before we were due to fly. Mm-hmm. And throughout those six months, now Victoria, our manager, knows more about this because she dealt with Homeland Security and the the American Embassy in London, and we spent months filling in forms, <laughs> we spent months filling in forms, paying them lots, lots and yeah. yeah. lots, lots, of of money, money. lots of money, uh, hanging on the phone uh, uh, two or three dollars a minute to the American Embassy to try and get an answer, and eventually it became, it was about six weeks before we were due to fly, Mm -hmm. and we still had no sign of any visas, and then they asked us for filling more forms, we need more information, and we said, well, are we going to get the visas on time, and they said, well, no, I don't think so, (laughs) but our flights are at this particular time, June the 19th or whatever. Uh And they said, "Well, you could pay us a thousand dollars, and we'll fast-track your applica- application, application, <laughs> and we'll get it to you in uh, two weeks, four weeks, something like that." Um, filled in more forms, paid them the money, still didn't arrive. We'd visit. We'd visited the embassy because we had to have our. On the morning we were supposed to be flying out, we were called to the embassy where we were. Well, I wouldn't
0: exactly say interrogated, but we were questioned. We were asked had we kidnapped <clears throat> any American
2: children? Oh yeah, that was the one question. What were the other questions? This is this is question Do you or, know
1: or, Eddie from Ireland? Do I know Eddie? Yeah. Do you know Eddie
2: from Ireland?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Only <laughs> <laughs> only to drink with of an evening like you yeah. know. I wouldn't uh, call him a friend or anything.
2: <laughs> are you a terrorist? That was one yeah. question.
1: Do you believe in remote control airplanes?
2: They were, no, but the questions were as bizarre as that. I mean, we,
1: we thought they were being ironic, you
0: know, and I was on the brink of saying, well, I've never done any American kids, but uh, I did once abduct a little Chinese, abduct a Chinese boy, but you're probably not interested in him. Yeah. You know, How do you
1: feel about Michael Jackson? This yeah, is it, yeah.
0: but then you realize mm-hmm. the guy with the mirrored glasses, he's kind of staring at you earnestly, and if you make a joke, you ain't going to America. Yeah, and uh, so we had... our
2: sponsor was? I think, yes, and we, I think we, I had more fingerprints taken than I actually possessed. And then the only, the only we we were we were at the end of our tether. So we um, it was a very long tether. It was a long. Tether. And so we enlisted the help of Ted Stevens, Senator Ted Stevens, who was how far away from the president?
1: I've met him, by the way. Did you meet him? Yeah, I met him in Washington a few years ago. Nice guy.
2: Bill, Bill met him anyway.
1: Well, he was very helpful,
2: <clears throat> and, and he 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 sent a an email or something to the American <laughs> Embassy in London and said, "Look, what the <laughs> you know." is going on, just give these guys a visa. And then when we arrived at the embassy, they pulled this letter out and say, what is this? And they all <clears throat> looked very scared and didn't understand why there was a letter from Ted Stevens saying, give us a visa. And then they said, okay, we'll give you the visa. And then we had to wait three days for them to deliver it. And by the time they delivered the visas, our flight had left. And we had to rebook the flight. We missed two concerts and had to pay another $3,000 to rebook the flights. So it's not that easy to get into America. Can, will you be our sponsor next
1: time, please, Bill? What, well, here's <laughs> the thing that really shocks me is uh, I didn't know that the U.S. government was being so protective of Alaska. Usually yes. it's uh, like, um, will you please come to Alaska? Well, no, they were saying they said,
0: you know. Why do you want to go to Alaska? And we said have fans <laughs> out there. Really? How did that happen? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so now, you know, there's this thing called the internet. Why don't you just go on the internet yeah. and you'll see how it works?
1: Yeah. Well, how, how, many, how many polar bears do you know? <clears throat> we're, three,
2: we're three poor musicians with very few bombs on us. There's yeah. very small luggage. A box. limited, limited capacity for carrying explosive liquids. You know. Then the airline made us pay for two seats for two acoustic guitars. That's right. And still...
0: Uh, they they wanted to put that once we paid 1700 1400 pounds to get the guitars on the aeroplane they wouldn't let them sit in a seat because they believed they were uh, a fire hazard or an exit hazard they would prevent people's ingress and egress so she said what, i what? said that my i said that my guitar had paid for its ticket
2: it was jewish and diabetic and wanted a meal accordingly we didn't even get the meal for it. And it wouldn't. And, and then they shoved them in a cupboard and said, no, they can't be on
1: seat. Ridiculous. And you said, well, they're going to cry if you stick them in there. They're going to cry.
0: Actually, I heard my guitar was in the cupboard uh, playing by itself while my guitar gently weeps. Exactly. Yes. Ex- exactly. On its own. On its own.
1: And, and I also think that as you were being questioned really harshly, they were probably looking at some of your marketing, such as, uh, this music is explosive that it will blow people's minds <laughs> yeah that's it we're yeah, gonna blow you away say, yeah just so said, hey. is that
0: it i mean do you think it could be i mean i know that 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 the the listening services over here if you're on if you're making a telephone call and you use certain words if you say semtex or ira you know someone in MI 6
2: will prick up his ears well there was that woman at the airport wasn't there last year who oh, made a yes. joke? Who made a joke in um, the, when she was going through security, and she made a joke about uh, having a bomb, and she was arrested, put in jail. It was a big story. It was a big story. That's
1: so, when incident. you do an Iowa tour, do you think they're going to put you through the same amount of grilling? No, because we're going to go on a tourist visa. <laughs> we're going to go on a tourist
0: visa, and you are going to open the doors for us, Bill. You're going to say, these guys are personal friends of mine. No, they don't know uh, the chap in Dublin. They got... <laughs> they don't know Eddie in Dublin.
1: <laughs> hey, time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you get asked ask me three questions about anything. So, fire away, Alex and Lyndon. Well, oh, okay. Um, shall I ask
2: the one about... Um... About guns. Ask Wayland. I've got, yeah, I was trying to put put together some questions, but they're all <clears throat> half-baked. Um, the question which came up in Michael Moore's film, really, I suppose, was why, why does there appear to be more gun crime in America than Canada?
1: Because the population is larger here? <clears throat>
2: no, I mean, um,
0: percentage-wise. Just explain that. Um, for for ten percent of the American population compared to ten percent of the Canadian population, the percentage of gun crime is higher. is
2: Yeah, that what you're yeah, saying? the percentage um, pro rata, mm-hmm. if you like. Yeah,
1: I think that stems from two things. If you're going to compare the two countries, first of all, uh, population in urban areas. Yeah, and the other thing you could maybe say is you could look at immigration as well. Where yeah. there seems to be a lot of crime in around the immigration areas to the southwest of the nation, and that's one of the contentions of cracking down on the immigration problem over there is also to get rid of a lot of the crime.
2: Right. Does, does it does it appear then that the crime is is um, falls mostly in the immigrant community?
1: I think it happens mostly in the urban areas, because out here in corn country, out in rural America, crime with guns isn't as prevalent. Big cities, absolutely. And so when you look at the big cities in America compared to what it is in Canada, obviously you'd have to say the percentages say, well, there's a, a better chance that in an urban setting you'll have gun crime as opposed to anything else. Does yes. that make sense?
2: Uh, I think so. Did you want to say something, Alex? Uh, no, 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 I'm I'm just listening. <laughs> um, now, uh, think of another question here. Um, yes, me and Victoria, or should I say Victoria and I...
1: So this is question number two.
2: This is question number two. Gotcha. V- Victoria and I uh, want to come at Christmas to the States. Now... We've, been to, we've both been separately to many places in the States. I've been to a lot of places in the States on tours with, with different bands over the years, over the last 20 years or so. But I want to know what you would recommend, where you would recommend for a week around about Christmas time.
1: And you would want a traditional type of Christmas, like a white Christmas, or are you looking for something that's warm weather? Um,
2: I'll I'll just. Do you want a white Christmas or warm weather? I don't think we're bothered. We just want, we just want to get away from family. Family. (laughs) We want to get away from family Christmases.
1: That's what we hate. I think one of the the great places, if you were to spend some time up in. America and kind of be away from it and get the Christmas spirit, would be go up into the Door County area of Wisconsin, and that's kind of the upper peninsula of Wisconsin, uh, north of Green Bay. Obviously, you'll have lots of snow, but up there, you've, you've also got some lakes, and you'll have some privacy, and especially during the summertime, Door County is a very beautiful place to be, and I would assume that it would be the same during Christmas time as well so tell me about the areas that you visited in America what has been your favorite and what has been your least favorite?
2: <clears throat> well it's always been I've always gone there in a bit of a bubble because I've been with an entourage um, of you know people looking after me um, because I've been on tour with uh, with bands but the most kind of most like Michael Jackson. Exactly. Without the milk and cookies and small children, we have to... <laughs> no, no no small children at all, but lots of, um, you know, rock and roll and sex and drugs. But um, the most fun was would have been in California and New York. I mean, that sounds quite predictable, doesn't it? Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's terribly predictable. Um, the worst place, some of the worst places were, uh, I think we were in Salt Lake City. Oh, God. At the moment. And that was, yeah. And um, that was quite unpleasant.
1: Yeah, I think that was like probably a big um, earth-shattering experience from sex, drugs, and rock and roll to what? To Yeah. The
2: <laughs> yeah. To, yes, to... Please don't touch me. Yeah. Um,
1: so tell me, remember, tell me a, a funny tour story. I think our listeners would like to hear just one of those behind-the-scenes funny tour stories.
2: A tour story.
0: It depends on whether oh. your listeners would know the artist in question. So I mean, you need to find out. What. I
2: remember stayed in. I stayed in the room when I was touring with a a band called Squeeze in the eighties.
1: I remember Squeeze.
2: You remember Squeeze? They've, they've reformed, actually. They're, they're going to be performing again this Christmas, I think, in the
0: UK. I don't know whether they're doing any touring.
2: And are they called yes. Squoze? Uh, squ- no, they're not called Squoze. They're called squashed. <laughs> And I'm not in the band anymore, so that's what's happened to them. And um, I was staying in the room that John Belushi apparently killed himself.
1: Oh, fun in, times.
2: Uh, in, uh, what was it called? The um, Chateau Marmont, I think. Yes. I was in that, I was in that room, and then it was the last night of the tour, and then ev- we got pulled out of our beds in the middle of the night, of course, and thrown in the swimming pool. Because very traditional kind of very traditional kind of end of tour shenanigans.
1: Not by like but the was ghost it, was of the John
2: ghost- Belushi or anything. I was just like about
0: that. to say that. Was it the ghost of John Belushi that threw you in the swimming pool?
2: No, it was a real live John Belushi tour manager. <laughs>
1: Tell me, tell me a groupie story. Tell me of a, somebody of a fan gone wild.
2: Oh well, there's, there's
1: always, there's always the wild fans—the ones that who, just go absolutely nuts. That you go, um, okay. I'm glad you like us. and I'm glad you like the music. Now go away. Yeah, of course. There were people who followed us all over the states. Um, Mostly,
0: they were kind of nervous seventeen-year-old
2: boys, though. <laughs> Sounds was... like Michael Jackson, guys. <laughs> That's right. I remember one one hotel. Where was it? Where was it? I know where it was. It was what was that town Chuck Berry sang about? Uh, was Kansas City, Memphis. Memphis. Me- Memphis. Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. No, Memphis. I remember meeting yeah. some girls in Memphis, and, and they were um, they were getting very interested in us, and um, they were talking about how they were trying to make out that they were very liberal and they they were very very accepting of uh, all kinds of races and we were talking about this in the car as we were driving somewhere and then there was a then a police car turned up because they were driving too fast and they were black police mhm and their true colors <laughs> their true colors came out then oh dear they couldn 't hide it oh dear they couldn 't hide their sort of racist feelings, <laughs> oh dear, yes, I had some also bad times in even in places like Boston, where I thought that people were Boston more sophisticated to be quite
0: sophisticated isn't it yeah.
2: you know I was called i'll tell you what I got called most of the time by guys on the street in the states, in various towns in the states, not New York, not San Francisco not L.A. But all the other places. I walk down the street and I just hear Faggot! Faggot! All, all the time. I mean, you know, we didn't really look... We weren't really dressed like um, the average American. Yeah, you're, no, we, you're, we, we you're,
1: you look like um, maybe some of the... well, the stylish musicians that we've seen on the magazines from Britain. Well, in the 80s... You know, people dressed up a bit more, particularly the British
2: musicians. And there
0: was, a, I mean, the Brit, Brit pop scene. It's always played with gender, from you know, from
2: yeah, I was a or bit from more...
0: Bowie onwards, really. From that, there's always been a kind of androgynous thing about British. I looked pop a bit
2: more music. androgynous, and I, you know, I had three different, three or four different colours in my hair, and it was long. But really, that's about it, and it really um, annoyed the guys a lot. I felt I feared for my life occasionally.
1: <laughs> and how did it go over with the Eskimos in Alaska? Well, we look more normal now.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I've lost my hair, lost my trousers, lost his teeth. Kind of yeah, sounds like all Peter go-
1: Frampton. <coughs> yeah. It's,
2: <all> go- <laughs> it's all gone. Oh, yes, I had a brush with him once, too.
1: Tell, tell me a Peter Frampton story because he's, he's one of my favorite British artists.
2: Oh, well, I don't want to burst your bubble then, so I won't. No, tell me. <laughs> No, it, wasn't, it was really nothing much. I, I, I remember in the 80s, he was making a bit of a comeback and he was putting a band together. And I remember speaking to him on the phone a few times over a period of a few weeks about the possibility of being in this band. And I told him I was interested. And then nothing happened for a while. And then I got offered another job. Might have been around the time that I was working with Thomas Dolby. And then I spoke to him on the phone. I said, "Um, you know, nothing seems to be happening. I haven't heard anything from you in a while. Um, I'm going to do a tour with Thomas Dolby. And he went completely nuts and said,
1: you can't do this to me.
2: Don't you know who I am kind of thing.
1: And you said I was blinded by science. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah, that's that's,
2: that's what he did. He blinded me with science and I just told him that I couldn't do it,
1: and he wouldn't accept it. So how did you like playing with Thomas Dolby?
2: Uh, I I loved that. That was a wonderful time.
1: Hey, we've drifted Uh, a bit. What's question number three? I I have a question, and it's it's, it's
0: more of a request for help. Okay. Um, Well, I just say help, then. John Denver's first wife, Annie. Yes? Yes. Can you get her address for me, please? I want to write to her. And why do I'm you writing, want?
1: And why do you want her address?
0: <laughs> I want Annie's address. I know that she's a, a psychotherapist now, and I know she's still alive. And, and why, do her, why do you I'm want Why do you want her address? I'm currently writing a song. I'm writing a song about John Denver. Um, he wrote that song, Annie's song. Correct. Um, and I have scanned and scanned the lyrics of Annie's song, and at no point does he describe the night. When he became so full of hate and venom towards Annie that he tried to strangle her, that point is not mentioned in Annie's song.
1: No, it's in Rocky (laughs) Mountain High. You got it. Yeah, you have to listen to the lyrics of Rocky Mountain High.
2: He incriminates himself in a different song.
0: No, I I know there is Annie's other song, and there's a song called Falling Out of Love, but there are no real clues there. My point is, this song uh, that I'm writing is about the inadequacy of love songs, because the people who write songs don't tell us how boring love can become. Um, so I, I want to write to Annie to get more information about being strangled by John Denver because John has not given me any information about right. strangling Annie.
2: And she'll say mind your own business. She probably
0: will, but I can't. I can't <laughs> find any address for her anywhere. She she keeps a very low profile. So can you help me,
1: Bill? Well, I don't know if I can do that, but I might be able to get to Billy Joel's first wife. <laughs> Who, okay. he, now she the wrote, one who? He wrote uh, numerous songs about you know how much he was in love with her. You know she's got away and uh, always a woman and all that stuff. And then, eh, I'm famous next.
0: Next. No, there's there's another story. There's another story. Which what John happened was out. somebody sued him. Um, in the very early days, he was sued. Um, somebody claimed to have written um, "My Life," which I think was his first first big hit. Um, And she was managing him at the time, and she said, oh, just pay him off. Pay him off. And I think that he said... I I heard him interviewed about this, and he said the resentment that paying that guy (laughs) off... More or less, did for the for the for the marriage. I, you know, it was it was struggling anyway. But I became so angry and embittered about paying this man and admitting publicly that he had helped me write this song that he actually had nothing to do with. It. He did not write that song. That song is mine totally. I became so angry with her for giving me that piece of advice and for me taking that piece of advice from her that she had to go.
1: That's so to he teach did. her a lesson, I married Christy Brinkley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Uptown <No>. girl. <clears throat> yeah, I know. But she did look good in that video, didn't she? Eh? Well, yeah. the, the thing that that amazes me is that he even divorced her. <clears throat> um, yeah, well, he he was just got too good looking for her. <laughs> do um look, I could, I've got a question. No, that'll be four questions. That, that that's do, a, that's okay. I'm ask, gonna do twelve. No, the bill. One, are you not he gonna help me? Are you not gonna help me with Annie's address? No, if, he's not.
1: I can't. I can't. You <laughs> can't. And can. It and it has everything to do with your connection to Eddie.
2: Oh, it's Eddie. It's, it's Eddie. More, that man—he's—he's he's ruined my life. It's more than his job's worth. Now, the other question is: um, Do Americans really get Ricky Gervais? As far as his humor? Yeah. Yes.
1: Oh, I think he's brilliant. I mean, I, I just—I watch. It just surprises me that it translates. I, I watch BBC America is one of my favorite channels here. Okay. Um, I. You know, when I first saw The Office, I thought that was just absolutely brilliant, and I can't watch the American <laughs> version to save How can my an life.
0: Industrial estate
2: in Slough mean anything to you? It's, it's, How do people relate to it? Do I, they just relate to the to the it's the, char- the horrible? It's the, the char- horrible character. Yeah, it's the yeah. characters.
1: It's like, geez, you know, even though a lot of the things are different, it's like, okay, he looks like the boss. That the yeah. ego it translates into everything. It's it's like yeah. a, a another favorite BBC show of mine is Father Ted. Okay, yeah, that's good.
2: That
0: would actually that's not BBC. That's originally made in Ireland by uh, a different company
2: by the Conspiracy Club.
0: By the it was made by Eddie <laughs> yeah, in Eddie. Dublin. <laughs> exactly, no, it, a different company. I can't remember the name of the company, but yeah. the BBC would have bought it.
1: Yeah, and, um, and, yeah. and see, I got. I found out about the show from watching it from BBC America, and I bought the DVDs yeah. from BBC America, so...
0: And they get that as that, well. That was a very controversial show, actually. because they, they got a lot of flack because of the anti-Catholicism. Yeah, tell, yeah, tell, tell me
1: about that, because I'm I'm interested in that show. Tell me about all the flack and, from Father Ted. <laughs> they made a lot of fun <laughs> out of it, didn't they? They made a lot of fun what out of catholicism Let's face it, I mean,
0: the the representatives of the Catholic <laughs> Church are either pissed, lecherous sort of effeminate or ineffectual and living in an isolated island community being served by a man-woman, Mrs. Doyle um, and that's that's pretty yeah. inflammatory to the Catholic Church. Is that
2: representative of Catholicism? I think... Catholicism today! <laughs> yes. Here, here's where that's... we offend people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're we're just getting going
0: now. You know, when you have episodes beginning where Father Ted is trying to explain to Father Dougal that the plastic, he's got a a plastic cow and he's holding it close to Father Dougal's face and he's trying to explain to him that the cow that is close to his face is small and the cow that's standing on the hill outside the building is Mm -hmm. far
2: away. Small. Yes,
1: Far away. Well, Bill
2: might have this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. I've got, but, but, I've got them all. I, I bought the whole DVD set. Yeah. Uh, so
0: the writers are saying <clears throat> that that the Catholic Church is so so stupid and out of touch with reality that they don't even understand the concept mm. of perspective.
2: Yeah. Stupid, corrupt, drunk. Well, yeah, that that could offend a few people. I think that's what the country. But I is. think that's what comedy is all about. Yes, it should offend.
1: Alex and Lyndon, we've talked about a lot of things here. I don't think this is something that we can include all in one podcast. So we may have to split this off into another podcast to be played later on. Is that okay with you guys? That's fine with us. Yes, of course. You're just saying that we talk too much. That's what it is, isn't it? I'm saying that we've gotten along so well that we've just continued to talk about different subjects that, uh, you know, we have the choice of either making this a two-hour podcast uh, or we can split it up. So I, I no, think it would be more interesting to, to split it up and, and release this a little bit later on. Your poor okay. listeners, they they will okay. they will bow under the strain of two hours of us waffling on. So It's so a
0: long time. Break break it up. I think that's a good idea.
1: If you'd like to drop me a comment about this week's show, just email me at billgrady at youaretheguest.com. That takes care of this week's show from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.